You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's my pleasure to bring you today's episode with Roger Drummer. If you tried to listen to this episode on the day it got released, I'm sorry, it failed. So uh, the files got corrupted and I fixed it and it's all ready to go. This is a really, really cool podcast. Today's guest is Roger Drummer, who is a diplomat of Chinese herbology. And this guy has been on the Ben Greenfield podcast a couple of times and he makes some pretty amazing adaptogenic products. Uh, I've been taking Tian Ching Chi, which is a packet powder that you take in the morning to increase mental clarity and to basically elevate your vibration because it is, it's a really effective product that, that uh, we start talking about right away. In this podcast, we also talk about uh, brain injuries and how uh, the brain needs certain nutrients in order to perform at an optimal level. We talk about his path into Chinese herbology. If you think about, if you're a fan of vitamins and minerals, if you take supplements and stuff, it's all the same. It's all Chinese herbology. It's mixtures and compounds that will empower your body to do what it was made to do. Uh, we talked about we, the definition of an adaptogen. What is an adaptogen? What does it do? He tells the story about how there were uh, some people in a Russian factory that uh, half the population was really hot and half the population was really cold because of the way that th- where they were working. And they took this adaptogen and everybody either cooled off, cooled off or warmed up. So that's what an adaptogen does. An adaptogen um, adapts your body systems back to homeostasis. We talk about the HPA axis, the hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal glands and how your stress affects that system, that axis. And uh, if you're not taking care of that, you really can't do anything very well. We talk about how you specifically uh, adapt or react to adaptogens. And this is an overall fascinating episode. He tells great stories. He is a massive wealth of knowledge, and I know that you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Again, I apologize if you tried to listen to this episode um, on its published date. The file got corrupted, but it's all good now. Please, please enjoy this fascinating conversation with Roger Drummer. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. Excellent. Is there anything that you absolutely would love to to talk about? Is there something that you're working on right now that's really relevant for you or a product that you make, make sure that you really want to highlight? Uh, well, we usually highlight our Tianqi and inner peace, mainly Perfect. because of its uh, effect not only on stress, but I think adaptogens are a almost secret um, source of balancing your brain chemistry that rarely gets looked into. In fact, um, at one point, 
I was trying to get some backing to make a product for football players to prevent brain injury or recovery from brain injury. And it was all really just based on Tian Chi. Hmm. And my theory that the brain, and this is just my theory, it's the brain and the glands in your brain have different properties than what we think of as just hormonal. They actually sync the entire brain into a way of, or a pattern of coherence. And they send a signal outside the brain, which really is, it's almost like a compass. So when you get a trauma, physical trauma to your brain, that knocks the compass off a little bit. And when you're trying to recover, even though you get over the initial pain of it, the initial trauma of it, if your brain's off by three degrees, it's no different than the compass being off in your in your car by, or in your, uh, you know, your compass and you're out in the woods being off a certain degree, you'll get in the general direction, but you won't exactly get to the exact place you want to go. Huh. And if your GPS is off, maybe you'll end up two miles from where you're supposed to be. And so, wow. but, but it still seems to be working because you can do a lot of different things, but over a period of time, it never really comes back on track. And that's, I personally think that's the missing piece to a lot of brain injury, especially long-term brain injury, because why do the, why else do all these things take so many years to show up? The brain is slightly off. And then when you combine that to the fact that they've been nutritionally deficient for decades, right? That just makes those nutritional deficiencies much worse, right? Because the brain, you know, in my opinion, almost every football player that starts playing football is so deficient in so many things that, that normally protect their brain that they really don't have a chance to avoid getting a long-term brain issue. Lots to lots to unpack there. When it, why are the football players by nature of their craft deficient in certain areas or are they just not fortified with adaptogenic um, nutrients? You know, I would say that because... Uh, this is a worldwide problem, but right. also in the U.S. I mean, think about it. When you show up at football camp when you're nine years old, all they want to know is how big you're, you know, how big you are, and whether you can physically take it. Right. Well, if you look at any nutritional um, studies uh, in general in the United States, 75% of the population is deficient in things like magnesium, folic acid. You know things that just protect your brain. And so we never run tests on any of that stuff. People are so omega-3 deficient, vitamin D deficient, all things that deal with inflammation in their brain. And so, and then we're shoving them into this football program at nine and 10 years old, getting trauma to their brain. And their brain is literally, even at that age, deficient in the things that needs to fix itself. Yeah, that, so that makes sense. That's that's really the whole issue with it. It's not just that they've had the trauma; they were unprepared for the trauma when they went in. What what would happen if they had to do a nutritional profile to be able to play football? Yeah, what would happen to all these things? You know, that's something no one looks at. And as you are already entering into the field. <clears throat> and I played football for four years and I took, uh, you know, uh, I concussed 
twice, twice in football, twice in soccer. Uh, I think that for the people who are already nutrient deficient and it's getting worse because of, you know, uh, soil, soil degradation and for monocropping. So like a generation from now, the food is going to be even less nutrient depleted, which is going to even put even more importance on the need for adaptogenic herbs, supplements, vitamins, minerals that we were, that we just are not getting from the soil anymore. So they're going into playing football. They're getting smashed around. They're not recovering properly. They're showing up the next day stiff, foggy, getting smashed around again. I, I want to go back, though, to one thing that you said about the, the duration and how quickly and how important it is to to – supplement after quickly after a brain injury because one of my one of my close friends was uh has a tbi and and it's been now almost two years since the since the event and can you go and and re-say what you said about the the timeline for how important it is to to supplement right after the the injury well the only thing you have to really look at, in my opinion, after an injury like that is whether you have a medical emergency condition, meaning you have bleeding on the brain. Uh, if you don't have that, then you just have a general you know, traumatic event. Then within a few days, you start supplementing. You know, It doesn't have to be immediately. You can supplement right away with things like omega-3s and, and you know, B vitamins, those types of things. But you should be doing that anyway if you're playing a sport like that. But omega-3s, you can easily up. And then you add in some adaptogenic herb formulas. You know, one of the one of the reasons I got into this so much is I have a client who, who's a trainer. He's a coach for track athletes. And he's probably had, you know, 20-some kids that have all gone on to college to, you know, get – get scholarships to run track in college. And he, when he came out of college, he was on three or four different drugs. They kept, you know, changing his drugs out all the time because he had had seven concussions his last season of football. Uh, and he, in fact, he couldn't complete his school. He was throwing up all the time. He was just sick. And somebody gave him a package of Tian Chi. And it just, he just couldn't believe it. In fact, he called our company and wanted to know if it was legal. <laughs> because, because all his headaches went away, all his nausea went away. And really all it did was just balance out his brain. So it started communicating better. And, you know, so that got me on, you know, on this path of checking it out. And since then, I've given it probably to a couple dozen people who've had sports injury concussions. And you, you'd be surprised headaches go away in a couple days. Wow. Oh my goodness. You know, you have that trauma and there's a, usually a blockage of circulation somewhere energetically, just, there's just pathways get mangled and you know, you're just off and all of a sudden it just comes back online and everything normalizes out. The thing that I think is wonderful about talking, I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> I've got so many questions. Um, the The thing that, that I think is really wonderful about, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I don't know that there are many people quite like you, Roger, but I, the thing that I think is, is really interesting is that you have so much knowledge. You have studied, studied, and studied, and learned, and tested, and tried, and experimented, and in in the years of of your experience, you said, okay, well, if I were to make a product, 
what would I put in it and what would it do? And then you distill uh, your wisdom into what you think is is going to be the most effective thing for people and then you present it to the public. And, and so as I ask these questions about specific apt adaptogens, what's an adaptogen for those – for those that are not too hip to it, as we go through and explain this, it's cool because you can just – you've created products that make sense for people. And I, and I think it's important that that I explain how we got connected for this podcast because you've been talking to Roy Krebs who is one of the co-founders for Natural Stacks and one of the formulators for some of the products that we have along with Abelard Lindsay and um, – Roy said, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta talk to, you gotta talk to Roger." And I said, "Okay." And then immediately, as soon as I, as soon as I see one link, and then go down the rabbit hole to learn what you do, um, it just, it just opens up. So, can you, for, let's back up a little bit, and, and if you would be able to, uh, if you could explain what is an adaptogen, uh, what makes it different from any sort of just standard supplement or mineral or vitamin, and what adaptogens are most effective for performance? Well, I first want to say that when you, you know, adaptogenic herbs or adaptogens have become a huge buzzword in the health industry. And I personally think they put that term on about, oh, probably half the things they claim to be adaptogenic now aren't adaptogenic in my opinion, Hmm. but it's it's a big word or or a big, you know, it's a hot word in the health industry, but an adaptogen originally was something that helped your body to normalize itself. In other words, to adapt to your situation. The original adaptogen was Eleuthero ginseng, which most people know as Siberian ginseng, but it's actually an herb called Eleuthero. And that was studied in Russia, and there was one study where they gave it to thousands of people that were at a factory. They had divided it into groups. They actually had a thousand people who complained about being hot all the time, and they had a thousand people who complained about freezing all the time. Huh. And they gave them all the same herb, and the freezing ones warmed up, and the hot ones cooled down. So basically. Wow. Basically, it showed that an herb has an effect on the regulating aspect of your body, which is your HPA axis, your glandular system, and helped it to come back into balance to start to promote homeostasis. And your body regulates its own temperature that has the right material to do that. Your body can do most anything if it has the right material to actually do it. So that's how adaptogens started out. And that's really what, to me, what a true adaptogen is. It has to affect your glandular system, but most specifically the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal. And because that's the part of your glandular system that regulates the stress response, and it really is the baseline regulator of your entire system. Everything kind of comes off of that. So if you're extremely stressed and imbalanced, that throws that off, and then it doesn't have its ability to regulate most other things in your body. So it begs the question, should we be dealing with stress? Should we be managing and dealing with our stress first and foremost? Maybe more than sleep. I know they're intertwined, but is is stress really the first thing? Stress is really the first thing. And if you deal with your stress, you'll deal with your sleep automatically anyway. Right. And for a lot of people, 
the one of the main benefits they never talk about with stress is that or I mean with sleep is that if you fall into a really deep sleep for most people that's the only way they shut off their stress response a lot of people with light sleep never go deep enough for the body to shut off the stress response and then regroup while they're asleep. And that's those are the people that wake up exhausted and they don't feel like they've slept very well, they don't have any energy. It's because they've held on to that stress response and it's never actually went down to where the body regulates itself again. And so that's the, the beauty of adaptogenic herbs. You can take adaptogenic herbs at 10 o'clock in the morning and it could be helping you sleep better at 10 o'clock at night because it's regulating your stress response and making it easier once you fall asleep for your body just to shut it off and then go into regulation mode. So there's people walking around who haven't really effectively shut off their um, sympathetic nervous system even when they're sleeping for years and years? No. Most, most people don't do it for years and years and years. And that's what they call chronic stress. It's where you've had a stressor for over 30 days and then your body never actually shuts off sympathetic and goes into parasympathetic. You just stay stuck in the sympathetic. And that's basically chronic stress. And then that's the beginning of the breakdown of your entire system. Because your body cannot rebuild and regenerate when it's stuck in sympathetic nervous system. I happen to have a fascination and I mean, not, not the level of depth that you do, but interest in, in the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Um, I'm the founder of uh, sensory deprivation tank centers here up in Seattle. And, um, the fact that you can get in for an hour and kind of, kind of almost force yourself with, without a meditation method or without sleeping into um, lowered cortisol levels and an activation of the parasympathetic systems within your body because you're totally buoyant uh, and not mess around with any gravity and you have no sight, sound, taste, smell. Your five senses, your five senses plus gravity are, are no longer running the show. Uh, have you ever floated before, Roger? Oh my God! I was just trying. I was trying not to interrupt you. I was <laughs> say, you actually own a center like that. Yeah. I I floated once, and this guy, he had just opened this center in Venice, California. And my friend got me a pass, and I said, "Well, how long do I go in?" He goes, "Well, you you can stay in as long as you want. I I never interrupt people." I thought, "Okay, wow." I got in. And I laid down, and the next thing I know, I was like, "Wow, I wonder how long I've been in here," because it seemed like. I was just so relaxed and felt so good. So I cranked the door open so I could see the clock. I'd been in there for two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> I just I just left. I The only thing I remember was going, wow, this feels really relaxing. Then the next thing, I just went blank. And two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes later, I got out. <laughs> I only got out because I thought, Gosh, I'm using up so much of his time, right? I could have went back in. Oh, uh, you you probably that was Crash uh, at Float Lab in Venice Beach. <laughs> and Oh, okay. Crash is a legend. Uh he I I remember I remember when I floated at Crash's place like it was yesterday and I had I had an Oh, here we go. I had a one one of the most relevant uh contacts and collaborations and 
illustrations of my spirit guides was floating in flat um, in, in at Float Lab in Venice Beach with Crash there. I had I had an experience with one of my spirit guides and with one of my uh, my wife's spirit guides um, floating at his place. So that yeah, near and dear to my heart. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I just think that that is is an unbelievable um, thing to do. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So so, given the fact that we that we mislabel or misassign what an adaptogen is and what an adaptogen isn't, what are some of the adaptogens that aren't actually adaptogens? And then, if you could tell us a little bit about um, the adaptogens that are in um, in Tian Chi. Well, you know, a lot of times I see astragalus talked about as an adaptogen. I really just don't. I love astragalus. I think it's an amazing herb for your immune system, but I don't get the adaptogenic part of it. You know, and what they do is they stretch that term about how it's so strengthening to your body and nutritious and stuff that your body then helps it adapt to other things. Well, yeah, any chi tonic will help you adapt to your energy output, but it's not regulating the HPA axis, so it doesn't really regulate homeostasis or or how your body goes in and out of stress. And I see they talk about oats the same way. And, you know, it's just different herbs. It's just, they just don't cut it for being a truly an adaptogenic herb. Uh, the ones that I use are, are the ones that I consider to be probably the most powerful ones and the ones that always seem to work for everyone. And they have a very strong regulating energy to them and the reason I, I actually use five different adaptogens in my formulas but the reason I do that is not because I just want to give you a lot of adaptogens it's just that they all have a slightly different way that they affect your physical body and so by combining them you know different amounts of each one you get a more overall effect like a luthero ginseng is really strong for your adrenals. Uh, it affects your pituitary a little bit, but if you really want to hit the pituitary much stronger, you want to do like rhodiola. Rhodiola is an amazing thing for your pituitary. And reishi mushroom is really good for your pituitary. Reishi mushroom has the ability to actually impact your thyroid gland, your adrenals, your pituitary. It's, it's really good at all those things. And then you have something like Shizandra, which is more of a weak adaptogen. It's more lung regulating, liver moving, but it has a bit of a, uh, an effect on your central nervous system and a mild adaptogenic effect. But then you have Ashwagandha, which I really love. It's, I've been getting into the last 10 years. It's from, you know, that's not a Chinese herb. It's from India. But Ashwagandha has this amazing ability to affect your entire what they call microcosmic orbit in in Taoist practices, meaning that it's a it's an orbit of energy that connects all the glands in your entire glandular system. So from top to bottom, it just kind of runs a circle of energy around your body. So it's very very nourishing on a deep level to almost everything. So <laughs> you combine all these different aspects of the herbs together, and you have this ability to affect the entire glandular system, not just the HPA axis. And in Taoism, which was this old philosophy, 
philosophy in China, their whole system of meditation was based on how you link up your microcosmic orbit. And what they're really talking about is energetically linking up all the glands in your entire system so that everything runs smoothly between them all and your whole system regulates itself. You're blowing my mind so right now, <laughs> Roger. <laughs> so that's so that's kind of the idea behind you know the formula I put in Tianqi and Inner Peace. It's all about how everything starts this regulation process, and then your body goes into its its probably easiest space it can get into for everything to fix itself, for everything to get into a space where you have more clarity, more energy, but just be able to see the bigger picture and how everything flows. And that's really kind of the, the goal behind taking any adaptogenic formula. Beautiful. What I, what I hear is that you're enabling the body, not just the body, because I, I want to speak more specifically. You're, you're allowing and empowering the systems of the body to do what they were designed to do. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of well, I'm gonna. I've got a couple questions specific to me, which I'm gonna wait until later. Uh, but I am. I do. I must ask them. Um, uh, are there adaptogens that you use that are both in? Because the way that I'm sort of thinking about it, as I look through the website and, and hear you talk about the different products, um, Tian Chi, Inner Peace, Mushroom Complex, Sleep and Recover, uh, and I wonder about what. Sorts of adaptogens are consistent are that overlap into those different products. Uh, well, the actual herb formula in Inner Peace and Tian Chi is the same. Uh, the only difference is is you get more of it in a dose of Tian Chi because it's a bigger formula, but it's the exact same proportions and formula that we put in inner peace. Wow. The reason the reason was because Tian Chi has a little bit of a, a caffeine in it to wake you up because you know adaptogens will calm your nervous system and we designed Tian Chi to have a very calming effect on your nervous system but people don't want to just um, get too calm when they go to work at nine o'clock in the morning. They want to be wide awake with their brain fully engaged and functioning. So a little bit of caffeine with the nutraceutical mix allows that to happen. All right. So we take, but at the end of the day, you might want to unwind a little more and be more relaxing. And that's when inner peace was introduced to be your afternoon tonic. And so it's the same formula. You take three or four caps of inner peace. And I think to get the same amount of adaptogens that you get in a dose of Tian Chi, you'd have to take about six caps, which is way too much because it's, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but I love uh, inner peace at a dose of about three or four caps at a time. Could, is it, okay, okay. Uh, interesting. I mean, it's um, yeah. Dose is important. Uh, if if you've if you've if you've been you spent so much time to put the right combination of ingredients together uh, to come up with this product that that really helps your systems really really well, then dosing can be a, a major part of it. It, t it totally makes totally makes sense to me. 
Um, you know, it's you yeah. know, it's funny about dosing with uh, adaptogens. Though a lot of people will go, I can't take them because they they made me tired. I wanted to go to sleep. Well, usually if that happens, you've either taken way too much of it or you're uh, you actually need to fall asleep. You know, adaptogens right. are trying to <laughs> trying to put your body in the position it should be in at the moment. And a lot of people are, they don't sleep enough. They're way overtaxed. And for some people, if they don't get knocked out, they'll never be able to shut off their stress response and have it regroup. So if that ever happens to you with adaptogens, just kick back in your chair, shut your eyes for a half hour, (laughs) let it happen because you need to have something, um, your nervous system needs to recalibrate, in other words. That is, I have never, I've never really heard someone explain it like that. And that is not what people want to hear. Like, don't tell me like it's two o'clock on a Tuesday and I have a ton of stuff to do. Uh, I took a mid morning or maybe after lunch or after breakfast, after coffee, I I took my, I took whatever, you know, someone gave me, um, some herbs, uh, a supplement, something. And it tired me out, man. I needed to get, I had my TPS reports due uh, by three o'clock today. And now I feel really tired. This stuff doesn't work when, no, 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 no. It's it's working. It's working, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, next time, you know, maybe that person needs, you know, maybe that just that one time, it's a signal that they really need to, as they're getting off of work, to use that product and go home and go to bed early and, and get a great night's sleep and, and start catching up on their sleep because it's really a sign of something else that's going on. You know, this is something that's missed a lot in the health industry. People will take something and have an effect they don't like and they think there's something wrong with the product and they don't understand that maybe the product's actually doing what it was supposed to and there's something wrong with them. Yes. And so they miss that completely. You know, it's not always the case, but a lot of times it is. It, it's a great way to figure out what's wrong with your system sometimes. It's not It's not the product. It's you, dude. Yeah, sometimes it's just you. It's just... And you need, to, you need to look at that aspect of your life and how you're going to balance it out. And maybe for you, maybe that person that got tired on the adaptive just, just, just takes a small amount of them at work. So they can keep their edge, but but it allows their nervous system to to get into this pattern of starting to regulate itself, and then they just take some more when they get off work, something like that. But they just got to kind of work with it, you know, work with someone that understands it and and helps them along. Right, right. It's a process. Yeah, it's a process. You know, you I I know that you have that part of what you do is you work with people and and personalize tonics and herbs compilations of things for them to take um a are you still doing that and b what's that process oh i do i still do it usually it's customers that are on the herb work site that want a consultation and and i get on and just listen to them and see what you know what they're actually presenting and figure out from there whether they can help themselves by just a little bit of lifestyle adjustment taking some different herbal products or whether they actually need to see a functional medicine practitioner, whether they have a deeper rooted issue that they need to find someone to help them with it. And a lot of times, you know, 
course, you're in Seattle, right? And, and I'm yeah. in Vegas, but, you know, so you're in an area that has an incredible amount of alternative health practitioners and some of the best, uh, you know, naturopathic schools there. And I mean, you're just in a hotbed area if you want to find help with something. But a lot of people around the country just don't have a clue of where to go to get help. You know, they don't have a clue of, of what's going on, who to ask, and their general practitioners don't have a an idea outside of the box of what they practice, what to do for chronic conditions. So a lot of times I'm just um, talking to them about how the things that they can do to help normalize their system and, and get a, you know, get kind of grounded in, in doing the things they need to do to help themselves and maybe give them some direction of where to look for the more complex things, you know, where to get help for more complex issues. That's a really excellent point. And I do take it for granted, having grown up in Seattle and currently living in Seattle, I I do take it for granted. And I get angry when what I feel are people being ignorant, not ignorant people necessarily, but people being ignorant when someone talks about natural medicine or integrated health or holistic nutrition. And to someone who grew up in Manhattan, that probably sounds ridiculous to them. You know? <laughs> yeah. What I just I mean, really, as you were talking, I just had this this really great awareness that I, I get frustrated with people who are not are not do not understand that uh organic is not is not because someone's an asshole or a or a uppity hippie. Organic just means not sprayed with a bunch of shit. Organic just means <laughs> right. It just means it doesn't have a ton of chemicals on it, and and I think that even someone who grew up in Manhattan, or who grew up in uh, Dallas, Texas, and again, I'm, I don't mean to I don't mean to shit on on these cities, but but I think about people who who had who don't know uh, and don't have an awareness of, of natural health, and and don't have an awareness of of the fact that actually taking something like ashwagandha is going to help them with their testosterone. It's going to help them in their life. And they don't really, it's like, Oh, that's just voodoo and mumbo jumbo. And I, and now I, Roger, thank you. I'm not going to get mad at people anymore. They just don't know. <laughs> hey, I have to tell you something funny. When I was li living in Venice, California and working at the tea garden and as an apprentice herbalist, and I had another job where I was giving lectures around the United States for a different company about immune systems and all this stuff. I realized early on that, you know, here I am in the middle of, you know, Venice Beach. I'm putting, you know, movie stars and all these people on herbal programs and practicing this Taoist stuff and studying all these different wild things and having spiritual experiences, taking herbs and eating all organic food, you know, just the California scene type thing. And when I got into the Midwest, I realized that a lot of people there, I had to explain that brown bread wasn't exactly whole wheat bread. It was just brown colored, right? Right. Is that it was the let you know when you're on the coast like you're on you're on the coast when you're on the coast like that doesn't matter which coast it is if it's New York or L.A. you have a level of exposure to um, new things and a level of exposure to what's really going on in the the health industry that as you go farther and farther toward the middle of the country they're fifteen to twenty years behind 
most of the people. They've really? Never, they don't. Ha- they don't have an idea. You really think it's that? You think it's it's that difference? You think it's you think it's fifteen to twenty years? Oh yeah, easily, easily. It's it's never hurt. I I had an experience. I back around the year two thousand after I'd been in California for fifteen, sixteen years. I moved back to Ohio for a few years because my kids were little and my parents were older and I wanted them to have the experience of my parents. And when I got back there, it was like um, it was like time had never changed. I've been gone 25 years. It's like, it's like time stood still. Wow. <laughs> I, nothing had changed other than the people were a little older. No, and I. And the funny thing is, is I really love it. I love Ohio, actually. But but as far as being the health field and all that, in fact, my wife was a yoga teacher, and she attempted to to get into some of the schools to teach yoga, and they thought that that was like the devil work, right? And you, you're familiar with um, are you familiar with? I'm sure you are with um, craniosacral work. Yeah. Well, at one of the health institutions in town that did physical therapy one of the therapists had studied that and was doing it on a patient and she was actually pulled in the office and told him that that was from the devil and if she continued to practice it she'd have to get fired oh Oh, that sucks man (laughs) cranial sacral work (laughs) so you know this this happens in small towns people don't get the exposure. We're, you know, on the coast, we're exposed to so many things that open up your mind and open up possibilities, and and it just doesn't happen in rural areas of the country. Yeah. So when you are working with someone and and trying to figure out what they should be taking or what they shouldn't be taking. Is it really just a matter of sort of a verbal consultation? Do you do any like blood work or? or... Oh, I don't. No, I don't. I don't do blood work. I might suggest a practitioner to them that can do that if they have a specific problem. But here's here's the the real issue with most people is that oftentimes within 10, 15 minutes, you get into their diet, you get into their what their health issue is. You can see there's a huge correlation to a few basic things, and that is stress, their diet, and what their symptoms are. And you have to have the, um, not only ability, but you have to have the drive to look at what you're actually doing to yourself, and usually that's your diet, and change that to really make a huge difference. And if you can't, if you're not going to do that, running off to a different alternative practitioner is not going to do that much for you anyway, because most alternative practitioners are going to go through a process of just balancing out your system anyway, and they still cannot do that unless you change your diet. And for most people, they it's their diet that has put them in the position they're in, combined with their stresses and all these other things. It's rarely just a symptom of you need one herb product or you need this or, you know, you're missing this vitamin. Although all those things can be really beneficial for a lot of people, but they they have to look at diet 
and how to change that. And that's really hard for most people because diets are just as addictive as drugs. Yeah. People, especially if you've ever had a diet that changed your life. And now that diet's making you sick, you just can't, you'll never see that. I had that happen to me once before. The hardest thing in the world that I ever did was give up the uh, uh, raw food diet. It was killing me. Huh. Literally, it was, it was wasting me. And to give that up, was, it was like a heavy addiction. It was unbelievable. The thing that, you know, you accepted this, this idea that this was the end-all, be-all of everything. And, and it made such a big difference in your life when you started it. But it no longer was, was providing you with any benefit. And so quitting that was tough. But when I did, my whole system changed. So it really kind of gave me an insight that with diets in particular, you should be open to changing your diet anytime because it is just a diet. <laughs> yeah. to, it is supposed to make you feel better. Right. And, you know, you can survive and live on, you know, any kind of diet. You just have to find the ones appropriate for you at the moment and, and gives you the benefits you want to get and just be open to it and flowing with it that is so man just this is <laughs> just like epiphany after epiphany here you're right it, that that is i think i think a lot of people really need to hear that and, and you know maybe maybe we can talk a little bit more about veganism and um uh sort of the raw food approach i mean there has never been I, I, that i've seen in my 36 years i've never seen a a dietary topic that uh, that is as public and and all consuming as vegetarianism and vegan veganism is now with the freaking impossible burger that is now served at, <laughs> at burger king you know i don't know if you it's just i think people need really should have you're right keep an open mind like if you're if you feel good not eating meat excellent that's fantastic if you if it helps you change your life and have more energy awesome if you're yeah. if you're overweight uh if you're obese if you're an, an obese vegan or obese vegetarian three four six years later you ought to take a look at what you're doing yeah and, you got to look at what you're doing you, you just you get too caught up in the idea of it and not the practical aspects of it and and you know it's it's common this is something I can tell you one thing that most vegans miss and this would be the person that's probably overweight with that diet is that when you go on a diet that's that restrictive and it becomes mostly a carbohydrate rich diet you can't be eating anything with sugar and processed carbohydrates in it because it's just like eating crack or something you know it's a, your body doesn't have any of the other stuff the heavier foods to balance out your response to sugar so if you're adding sugar into a vegan diet boy you're in trouble because yeah. your body it's just your body can't regulate it it's too much of an overload so you have to cut out the cookies cut out all this other stuff because you're on a lighter diet that can't withstand um, things that would tr wouldn't bother a normal person who ate meat or ate a different you know level of fat or different things in their diet. So you have to look at the whole thing in a broad picture and see um, what it's doing to you. 
And if you, like you said, if you're really overweight or obese on that diet, it's not working. Right. Yeah. There's less room for error. If you're, if you're vegan, if there's less room for error <clears throat> with sugar or processed carbohydrates, you know, white flours, because there's less, there's just less going on in your gut. There's less, yeah. there's less nutrients in your body. It's yeah. It's less diverse. Uh, you know, I was a vegetarian for, I think, 26 years. Wow. Then I added in some fish. And, you know, I was probably a vegan once or twice for six or eight months at a time. It didn't really interest me. And, uh, I did, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt better at being a vegetarian. And then when I had some health issues going on, I introduced fish. And, you know, I felt really good on that. I've had periods in my life where I ate meat a few times just for the energetic aspect, trying to looking at it as a medicine as opposed to a food and not really consuming much of it. But boy, when you haven't had it for 10 or 12 years and you eat it, the, the change in your energy almost instantly is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's such a, a heavy you know, food that really um, – it just gives you an incredible amount of energy is what happened with me. But I still, you know, I was talked into it at the time I had chronic fatigue. And this is one of the most uh, profound things I think any practitioner has ever told me. This herbalist was talking to me at a health show. And I was on a very strict raw food diet at the time, but I was had developed chronic fatigue. And he wanted me to eat beef. And I was looking at him like he was crazy, and he, and he goes, Roger, look around you. And we were in the middle of the Anaheim Health Show. You know, there's like 80,000 people there. And he goes, look around you. It's insanity here. He goes, you're eating a diet meant for someone who's meditating in a cave. Right. And you're in a warrior world here. You can't be a warrior on that diet. It's not serving your purpose. Well said, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it really opened my eyes to, yeah, look at it as medicine, change things to be able to function in the world uh, because, you know, I wasn't fully functioning at the time. I have uh, I have a, a very close friend of mine who is, he's currently, he's sick, he's not terminally ill, but he has, you know, he's vomiting, he's lethargic, um, he has diarrhea. Uh, and he's been a vegetarian for his whole life. He's uh, an Indian guy, and he's and he's a he's a big guy, um, and doesn't eat meat. Uh, and I have been every almost every time he gets sick, you know, we've had a conversation about chicken and fish, and don't even talk about consuming cows. But <laughs> but when when whenever he gets sick, I say the the number one and i am not an expert but i know this much i said every time he gets sick i say what you need to do is you need to sleep and you need to eat oysters like as many as you can suck down you sh you need oysters like you need th a whole organism you need the the minerals you need need them bad and every time he does Every time he eats like five or six oysters, he feels better that afternoon. He feels better the next day. <laughs> yeah, he's missing something. His body's just craving something, and that's why it always goes down. And he's got to learn how to to uh, adjust his diet, but it's really hard. It's like that addiction thing. You right. just can't move off that point. And a lot of people feel like it's uh, – 
it's almost like it's going against their spiritual practice to change their diet. Oh, for you know, sure. I, I understand that a lot. I've been involved with spiritual practices for over 30 years, and it's all based on eating a vegetarian diet. And at the moment, I've, you know, with certain things going on in my life, I'm violating those principles by <laughs> having fish three or four times a week, but I need it for the cheap. I need the energy, and I'm not going to be able to function unless if I'm eating a pure plant-based um, vegetarian diet at the moment. So, yeah, right. Do you? What about shellfish? Do you eat much shellfish? In no, Vegas, I, I guess don't. not. <laughs> Basically, I eat wild Alaskan fish, mostly yeah. salmon, cod, halibut, things like that, and uh, I eat really clean fish. But and I like eggs. I love eggs. There you go. And. I uh, you know, I'm really happy that it's finally coming out that eggs don't raise your cholesterol. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating. Well, but, that's that's where we are now. Just give it another 15 years and well, they'll go back to saying that they do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to be selfish because I, I'm, I'm dealing with a, with a situation, an, an injury, and I really like your take on it. Um, I, I had a stress fracture in my metatarsal in my foot from five years ago and since then there's been soft tissue damage all around the foot as it tried to repair and i went in and i got an ultrasound i got an x-ray didn't really show much the ultrasound or the mri showed that there was just a, a stress fracture but it's clear that there's it's on the bottom of my foot uh right on the ball of my foot so i can't uh, i can't really i can't use it so i went in uh a, two weeks ago and got some uh platelet-rich plasma injection treatment which I'm sure you're familiar with, where they spin your blood sure. and, and, and re-inject, sort of feather out the soft tissue and then and then re-inject the, the PRP into your into your foot. And it is still really swollen. And I have not done a great job of resting it, um, but it is still really swollen. I walk around in a boot and the days where I don't actually touch it to the ground and just use crutches and just sit most of the day, which drives me bananas, uh, it, it gets better. Um, there's obviously an inflammation problem and you're not supposed to take anti-inflammatories while you're on PRP to let the to let the, the platelet-rich plasma like do its thing and repair without uh, without anti-inflammatories for I heard you talk about ashwagandha uh, and stem cells and I take an ashwagandha um, um, tincture with oregano oil every morning and and I sometimes go away from the oregano oil, but that's, there's like three questions in here. But what for for a guy like myself, where this foot is just not it's not really healing up quickly, and I and I know I need to be patient and shut up and slow down. But for 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 an inflammation and an acute injury like that, with that service, with that process and treatment, what would you suggest? What would you suggest for me, Doc? Wow. Well. There's no way you can keep that elevated for four or five days at a time and not use it. I mean, because, yeah, that's what it needs, huh? It's a stress fracture, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing about if you want to know something that would be really healing for cartilage and, and bone, that type of thing is, have you ever tried doing deer antler at all? No, I've heard of it. That's like the fuzz, Deer right? antler liquid um, is really healing to the bones. In fact, a jing tonic, what they call jing tonics, okay. things with eucomia and, and uh, 
herbs of that nature would be very healing to your bones. So they're not exactly anti-inflammatory, but they're going to be supplying things to your system that your body will heal cartilage and bone quite easily. And deer antler is really amazing for that, to be able to do that. Um, but that might be some – how long have you had it now? The, the original injury was five years ago. And oh. it healed and it was – or I thought it healed and it was fine. And then it would sort of get re-aggravated maybe once or twice a year, really rarely. But then I, I really did it. I really overdid it. I went backpacking with my daughter uh, in in like really low-profile no, low shoes and, uh, and, and re-aggravated it and then got the PRP. That was like a month ago. And then I got the PRP uh, – a week and a half ago and it's and it's just it's just, it's terrible it hurts and i don't want to take i don't want to take any pain pills um but I, but how soon how soon can you take anti-inflammatory herbs and you're not supposed to really he said like low dose curcumin is okay um okay i've i've been doing arnica on it and i have thought about you know taking some cbd but I think it's like supposed to be six weeks really before you take like, wow. like, like real anti-inflammatories. Wow. Yeah. You're going to definitely have to look into uh, having probably better equipment on your feet all the time to prevent that from happening. Right. And, uh, and curcumin, what type of curcumin are you using? It's the natural stacks curcumin. Um, okay. It's, uh, I'll tell you exactly what it is. People are like are going, are going. Come on, Sean. You're just you're taking up this guy's time. You're hijacking this podcast to make it about you again. You rascal. Uh, it's curcumin with coconut oil. Um, I'm just looking at it. I mean, this is fairly relevant because. Well, I think if you if you have this problem going on and on for five years. Um, you might want to look at the type of why does it keep getting injured and and you know you're probably pretty healthy and have you ever had just a scan to see how the health of your skeletal system to see if maybe you have something going on to where you're you're just not having a really strong skeletal system at all times I, you know just just yeah. to look into general things that's good no, that's and, a good idea uh, you know, check your footwear because yeah, I have to tell you something really funny. It might might be pertinent to you, but when I moved to Nevada five years ago, right three months before I was going to leave Ohio, I had an injury to my right foot for two years. I have a tendon that runs from the um, the front side of the uh, the outside of my foot up around past my ankle up to about my calf and it's a tendon that um, was being shredded right near my ankle bone right in fact when they looked at it when they went in and had a scan done on it they said it was 90 percent cut and could pop it any day oh my right? goodness and that uh, i needed the surgery and i thought well, it was just going to be a you know little 
orthoscopic surgery and I'll be fine. The guy goes, oh no, we're going to cut the heel of your foot off and then reattach it and you won't be able to put your foot on the ground for four months. Something like that. I And I'm looking at him like, I'm thinking, well, you know, two months from now, I'm going to be moving. I have to be able to load a truck oh with gosh. furniture. All this stuff. And so I'm not going to, so I just left and I just, just never, and he goes, yeah, you're going to have to do that because just the way you walk causes that injury and all this stuff. So, I mean, it really hurt. And I, the whole time, every time I took a step, it would pop. And I was thinking, oh, this could be the step. Oh my right? God. Oh. So, so, you know, so I move out to Nevada, right? And this is, this is actually a really funny story. I move out to Nevada and I move into a two-story house, which I hadn't been in in years, so I have to walk up and down a stairway. And then I just so happens I decide to get a new pair of shoes, and all the rage then was buying these um, shoes that have a flat bottom to them. They're not raising your heel up anymore, what they call those zero-gravity shoes or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bought a pair, you know, just to walk the dog in. And, you know, you know <laughs> it's, it's just a new pair of tennis shoes. Well... Six weeks later, my problem with my heel was gone. Hmm. My my tendon problem, it was all just the angle that I walked <laughs> in my shoes. Yeah. And I haven't had a problem with my foot since, and I've worn out the shoes and thrown them away. <laughs> I don't wear them anymore. Did you get but some new ones? Foot, I've, never had it, I've never had it fixed, and I haven't had a pain in my foot in four and a half years. Oh, that's great. It was just, I think it was just walking up and down the stairway gave me a little different exercise, and I, uh, and the shoes just changed the angle of the pressure on my foot enough that it allowed it to heal. Sure. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I was facing, you know, an unbelievable, you know, just, you know, surgery from that. It just fixed itself. Oh, thank so God. You might want to look, in, look into something that you're doing with your feet. If it just keeps yeah. happening, that one thing, that there might be a simple answer to it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. There, there, there probably is a simple answer. And I've tried, you know, I've got the five, five toe, five finger shoes where your toes go into their own little compartment and I've got low rise shoes and I've got flat boots and I've got trainers. Uh, but I, I think, I think I really just need to keep it up, stay off of you it. Also, might you also might want to look into some sort of magnetic insole mm. that that changes the energy pattern of your foot while it's on it, that might allow it to heal better. That's a good idea. Because those things do work. I've known numerous people that have used that technology to heal things in their feet or their hands or their arm. arm. Excellent. Okay, consult uh, consultation over. I will let people. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that information. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to redirect our conversation a little bit toward um, toward cancer and cancer treatment because I know and you know that that we should look to herbs before we look to invasive surgeries and, and, and so forth. And, and even saying that is fairly controversial for people. Um, I, I, I understand now that, that the idea of thinking about exercise, diet, and Chinese medicine herbs before you go through chemotherapy 
um, that's a that's that's a risky thing to say, risque thing for for a lot of people. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what sort of adaptogens, what sort of medicine, what sort of tonics and and adaptogens can people be taking to eat to not only prevent but also treat um, certain types of of cancers. Well, my first recommendation for anybody that gets a diagnosis of cancer is to go on a an adaptogenic herb product. And the reason for that is is that uh, I touched on it a little earlier. Your body cannot repair itself if it's under stress. And what could be more stressful than to be told you just had cancer? You have cancer, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Are you familiar with my cancer story? No, I'm not. I'd love I'd love for you to share it with us. Well, I I had stage three bladder cancer. Um, it'll be three years ago. Uh, let me see. The end of May would have been the three-year mark when I was told I had stage three bladder cancer. And if you're not familiar with that, it's called muscle invasive bladder cancer. And there's only one treatment for it to where they, they just have to go into it. It's like a 14 hour surgery. They remove your bladder, they remove your prostate, they make a new bag out of your intestines and to make a new bladder out of your intestines. And hopefully that works for you. And and that's the first line of treatment. If it comes back, then it goes into chemo, radiation, all those different things. So it was quite shocking to find that out. And when I got that diagnosis, man, I just went home. It was like I was in a different world for two weeks, literally just lost in the ozone. You know, it was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to have all this stuff done. And and then I then <laughs> go laugh. I was sitting there in my living room. And I was thinking, God, I'm the guy that talks to people about stress and mm-hmm. all this all the time. And then I realized, why why am I not taking inner peace? I make adaptogens, right? Gosh. <laughs> I got them out in my kitchen. I went out and got my inner peace and took four of them and did it a couple times that day. And literally within a day or so, my whole brain changed where I got out of my self-pity and my fear thing. And I just started researching things to do for bladder cancer. So I went in the, and in the, in the meantime, I had to go in and have a biopsy where they go into your, you know, I have to go to the hospital. It's a minor surgery. They, they, it's part of a cystoscopy, but they go in and they scrape your tumors so they can send them off to a lab to confirm that it's stage three. And because mine stage three means it's grown out of your bladder into the fatty tissue around it. And it's just ready to, move out of that to go around your body somewhere else. And bladder cancer is extremely deadly once it expresses itself out of the that layer, right? Hmm. It's almost impossible to control. Anyway, they, to do that, they have to do a big scrape, and when they do, they puncture your bladder, so they instantly burn it so it goes back together. It's not very comfortable. It doesn't take very long, though. It, you think it sounds like a long process. It takes less than two minutes, right? Oh. You wake up and you're you're kind of burnt and anyway they send you home and then they you come back to the doctor to get your diagnosis which was stage three and they want to set you up for the surgery within four weeks and and I just put it off and I went home not thinking well I'm going to cure it myself or not thinking anything I just wanted time to be alone 
right? So I went home and I once I started taking inner peace and I kind of my brain kind of re-engaged, I started researching it and I started getting into this. I downloaded all this information on bladder cancer and herbs and came up with an idea of how I was going to start doing something for myself while I was home. And then I got into the ketogenic diet and I had a friend that sent me some some information and some strips so I could test my ketones. And I got into the ketogenic diet. And for me, it was really kind of funny because it didn't take me but a couple days to get into medical ketosis. And then from that point there, I started taking all these herbs. I changed my meditation. And seven weeks later, my cancer was gone. And I knew it because I have a very, very um, functional highly functional intuition and I was sitting in my living room and I just got this message that I it was just like a voice said your cancer is gone right so and uh, and I knew it was because I was I kind of skipped over this part because I was blissed out I was literally blissed out in my living room in the middle of the afternoon and part of my program with my meditation for that particular cancer was that because you know it's a hobby of mine to study spiritual traditions and stuff and i knew that you know in the in the hindu philosophy you have five layers to your soul and if you can get past your third layer which is your mental emotional body there the third part of your soul to the fourth one which they call supramental um you can change your dna you don't have to mentally do it yourself. It just changes back to where it's supposed to be. Hmm. You've transcended your emotions, which mess up your entire energy field. We all know that, right? So I knew that when I went into this new meditation program, that if I could get blissed out, which I had done many times before, um, I was in that space to where my own self would fix its DNA. And my cancer was gone. Well, I got blissed out in my living room, and then I got my my got my message saying your cancer's gone. And I walked out in the next room and said to my wife, "I said, God, who'd have thought having cancer could be this much fun?" And she looked at me and said, "You're not. You could die." Said, no, I moved on. I'm I'm done with that. And three weeks later, I had to go in for the biopsy, and I had put them off for two and a half months. So they wanted to do another biopsy to show me how bad it was and to scare me into doing the surgery. So I did it. When I came out, the guy goes, I don't know what to tell you, but you don't have a thing in your bladder. It just The only thing there was a, was a little mark from where I was there before. I took the tumors out. And so uh, I, I haven't had anything. I've checked clean now for three years. I don't have cancer anyway. And that's unheard of. In fact, the guy says it's just, you know, he told me it's just like it just doesn't make any sense to him at all uh, that it happened. He's never heard of it, never seen it, never. It just doesn't make any sense. But, but that's just one example of, uh, of you know, it is, it is possible. That doesn't mean for every single person that just taking herbs is going to do it for them or just changing their diet, but it does show you that if you are willing to do those things, maybe your own innate energy can overcome it. 
who knows? You know, I didn't, the, one of the funniest things about mine was I didn't sit down and go, I'm going to beat it, I'm going to do this. No, I just got so excited and thought it was so much fun exploring other herbs and, and getting into doing all this herbal research and, and swallowing a bunch of herbs. I just thought it was fun. And I forgot all about having cancer. Hmm. And when I forgot, I forgot all about having it. And I was just kind of doing my meditation and taking my herbs and eating my diet. And I, I really enjoyed the fact that I was manipulating my chemistry with the ketogenic diet. I, really, I just thought it was so much fun that I could manipulate how my blood sugar went down and how my ketones went up and I could measure it all and and I just got into it and all of a sudden it was I was done with it. And and you were able to get into ketosis at whole foods plant-based with with uh with fish three or four times a week well when i started it i wasn't even eating fish but about once a month but i was eating eggs and basically plant-based food you know some cheese some a lot of vegetables uh so when i started the ketogenic diet that's really all i ate i upped my fat Ketogenic diet, if you're trying to go for medical ketosis, is not based on eating a lot of protein anyway. It's That's actually right. counterproductive. And so about 30 days into it, though, I added sardines every day because it was an easy way to get a meal with a bunch of veggies and avocados and stuff. And, and so I added that on every day or another fish and... That's basically what the whole diet was for me. And I was I was someone who could almost every day my ketones were at a level of between four and six every single day. Wow. And my my blood sugar was always down. If it if it wasn't in the you know, below seventy two when I woke up, I could get it down to the, in the sixties every day just by herbs and manipulating my diet and stuff and so I was just in medical ketosis for probably a year without too many breaks. What, so I stayed what, know, I stayed in it for quite a while. What millimolar what millimolar range do they consider medical ketosis? Well medical ketosis is usually done on a uh, they have a little formula for that. In other words, you take your blood sugar and I always tell people Think about it as 72 because that's easy to divide by 18. You divide your blood sugar by 18 because that will give you the metric number, and all medicine uses the metric numbers. So 18 into 72 gives you four. So if you then are going to divide your level of ketones into your sugar level. So if you have at least a four, then you end up four into four gives you one. And if you're at a one at the end of the equation, you're in perfect medical ketosis. And theoretically, that means your body is running completely off of ketones and there's no response of insulin and sugar. Got it. Oh my gosh, that's great. That's really great. And, and so that's what I basically did. And for me, again, it was, it was easy. A lot of times I'd have ketones of six. And... I remember going to the, you know, it was so funny. I just thought it was fun, right? One day <laughs> yeah. I, dropped, I dropped my blood sugar to 55 
and my ketones were like six, and I thought, gosh, I'm just going to go shopping for groceries and see what it feels like to run around out in public with 55 <laughs> blood sugar rise. I was a little shaky because I wasn't used to it. Oh, I sure. Saw, I thought it was fun. You oh, know? And then God. I went to the gym one day with 55 blood sugar and lifted weights for an hour. Wow. Didn't bother me at all. I was just, wow, this is this is unbelievable. Were you, were you intermittent fasting at that time as well? Yes. I would not eat after five or six at night and wouldn't eat anything unless it was a coffee or or MCT oil until noon the next day usually. Wow. Six. I almost always had at least 16 hours. Sometimes I'd go longer. Are, have you kept up with that? I do. I still eat a ketogenic diet. I don't test that much anymore. And I'm not as strict with it, but usually when I test, my ketones are almost always around three, which is pretty good. Yeah. And my blood sugar is usually around 90, something like that. Hmm. So, but if I really, literally, it takes me a day of strict eating to get back into medical ketosis. It doesn't take me much at all. I, I... Eat, eat, aided for ketogenic. I, I didn't test much, but I've been doing it on and off for about three years and tested daily, uh, once or twice per day for, you know, months and months at a time and can feel when my body is and, and, and is not in ketosis. And I wonder if, if a keto, if going back to that, because I had, I mean, after coaching my kids' soccer practice last night, we went and had pizza and cake, and uh, <laughs> I'm hating myself today. I seriously am. Like, I I woke up in a really bad mood, and I, I I mean, totally to be honest, I snapped at my wife for something very simple, and then I sat there and I and I I felt so bad because it didn't feel like me, and I and I said, hey, I'm sorry, my foot hurts, and I think that the food last night just like is I'm, I'm being I'm punishing myself and it's 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 manifesting as me being an asshole and I apologize and she gave me a hug and she said okay she didn't say it's okay she said okay <laughs> <laughs> well you know with with most ketosis now if you're just not if you don't have to be in medical ketosis um the ketogenic diet is not that hard but what you want to do if you really want to be radical with it is you can eat radical ketogenic diet for three or four days and then have three days where you just relax and have fun food you know because your body i guess does better health wise if you fluctuate in and out of it and not get so hung up with it and that you know i, I had a medical reason to do it and you know what's also interesting though is that and you'll hear this from any researcher on ketogenic diet is that when i took inner peace that helped my blood sugar tremendously because if you're stressed out, what's the first thing your body does? It elevates your, it releases blood sugar. It thinks you're in fight or flight. You've got to have an elevated sugar response so that you're prepared to fight. Well, it doesn't help a lot for getting into ketosis. Not only does your, when you're having it, you're in fight or flight, which is going to happen when they tell you you have cancer. And when you sit around and think about it, it also shuts off most of the parts of your immune system that you need to be working because you're frightened. You know, your, your body knows you don't need to regulate your sugar or have an immune system if you're supposed to be fighting something to the death. And that's what your body thinks is going on. 
So inner peace became my formula to go to when I had cancer. But the other thing about it, though, is when you look at it, like ashwagandha is studied a lot with cancer. And why is that? Because there's inflammatory markers that actually cause or help cancer to rapidly grow. And if you can eliminate those inflammatory markers, then you eliminate one of the ways or one of the things that's feeding your cancer cells besides the insulin and besides the sugar. So adaptogenic herbs work perfectly in that. Things like curcumin work really well for that. And different, you know, just a lot of different common nutrients you can get in the health food store. Do does ashwagandha <clears throat> does ashwagandha would because uh, sorry to make about me again but um, would it would it hinder against or or does ashwagandha help treat I'm gonna edit this out because I'm going nowhere with that and that's not that's not it's not that's not fair to make it about <laughs> me again I'm gonna x this out uh, I'll tell you what yeah jeez. Uh, um, so when it comes to, when it comes to treatment of cancer and the, the cancer fighting capabilities of, of adaptogens that you include in your products, um, tell us a, a little bit about the, the mushroom complex. Okay. Um, you know, as in terms of cancer, I want to I want to kind of stress this point though is that you can't think of it and I never did this with all the herbs I was taking I was taking like 25 30 capsules three times a day and but I never at the point thought this formula is going to kill my cancer I was trying to give my body the best chance it had to regulate itself mm. and to run the processes that it would naturally have that made um cancer just go away in other words create an environment that's not good for cancer and it makes it harder for the cancer to grow and replicate and then through the diet also you're doing the same thing you're creating a environment to where it can't really grow because i never took a specifically a formula that was designed to kill cancer i just took things that regulated inflammatory responses and they've all been studied in relation to cancer, but there's no magical thing that just you're going to pop in your mouth that's going to kill all your cancer. Right. It's a much more complicated, complicated thing than that. But, you know, and also the thing with mushrooms. I mean, mushrooms make sure that your immune system is actually functioning and it has its best chance to do whatever it needs to do. And a lot of times with cancer, your immune system is either weak or it's just not active. And then there's other things that are blocking your immune system from recognizing your cancer. So you just kind of want to take some things that have a general uh, response to your system. And that's kind of what, you know, I make mushroom complex. You asked about that. But I have a patent in growing medicinal mushrooms. And that's the ones that we use in our stuff. So we use reishi, agaricus, trimedes, and maitake, shiitake, and then I mix it with scoot and astragalus, some other immune system tonics. But the whole idea is just to give you a balance of the 
probably most potent medicinal mushrooms that you can take so that your immune system has the food it needs to actually function as opposed to thinking you're taking it to attack your cancer. You just always, the whole idea is, is nurturing and nutrition so that your body has its best chance to do what it can do. And that's what you know, the mushrooms are about, inner pieces is about. So do you grow each of the mushrooms that you put in the mushroom complex blend? Uh, it's grown at a farm that was partners um, in the patent process. That farm has since been sold to another entity, but they still grow the mushrooms through the same patent. We don't, I don't personally own the farm, but they're grown to the specifics of the patent. Got it. Got it. That was a patent of growing them on a purple substrate so that the when the mushrooms consume the substrate, they create novel compounds out of the antioxidant content of the substrate itself, which turns it into novel compounds that affect you know inflammation. It makes it a potent antioxidant, and, and it has different immune properties to it than if you would have just grown it on rice. So what? It, so what do you? So oh, so it's grown on a on a substrate. What's the substrate? Well, part of the substrate is a purple corn from Peru. And it's not actually the corn, it's the corn cob. And so there, there's actually no corn in it. But if that particular substance has a higher antioxidant potential per weight than grapeseed extract. So when you use that type of a compound mixed in with the other mixture, then that is translated into the body of the mushroom. The thing about mushrooms when they grow, they're really just garbage recyclers. You know, they, <laughs> right. they basically will have in them whatever they eat, and they'll transform it into something. You could grow mushrooms on a telephone book. You know, it doesn't matter. It'll still grow a great mushroom have a lot of information that you don't need, but it'll, it'll it's still grow, right? So, but, uh, but the substrate you grow it on determines its profile. And then you have to be able to know exactly how long to actually grow it. So, but that's all makes up the mushrooms that we use. It works really well. Yeah. Fascinating. You know, uh, we, you know, the, the mushroom fruited bodies that we use in some of our, our mushroom products are, are, I mean, natural stacks, um, you know, are from Jeff Chilton. Uh, oh, I know Jeff. I yeah. know of him. I haven't talked to him probably in 15 years, but he makes really good stuff. Great stuff. And, and so the, the, the topic of growing, growing mushrooms on, um, the, the substrate at which you grow them upon. Uh, and, and I believe, and he believes that when you, you you use the actual fruited body instead of the myceliated grain and especially with some of the more notable mushroom manufacturers selling products of that's just mycelium on that's grown on grain or barley uh or oats is is not not the real deal um purple corn cob is fascinating well here here's the whole thing you know and jeff you know, everybody has their own marketing thing, and sure. Jeff is right about a lot of things. And 
I just have to tell you kind of a story on that. When I first started working at the herb shop that I was in, my teacher told me never to use mushrooms that are grown on a substrate hmm. because they weren't as good as the ones from China that are extracts of powdered mushrooms, right? And so that was the knowledge that I took out into the world. And then I had I had this other job where I was actually promoting a uh, mushroom product grown on substrates for a multi-level marketing company. And, you know, I was go, I would go out and I just would give a general talk on immunity and how mushrooms affect that and immune system function and things like that. But in my heart, I thought, well, God, I feel so bad because my teacher taught me that you got to have extracts and these don't work. But then a, a really funny thing happened was that in the next couple of years, I had more people having responses to the substrate mushrooms than the mushrooms I was selling for years at the store I was at. Mm. And so I'm thinking, okay, there's something to this, right? And, you know, the thing with substrates is that they do develop some properties that are not in actual fruiting bodies, and they are slightly different, and they do huh. have a lower polysaccharide content, just like Jeff says. But I'm just not sold on the fact that it's one or the other. Got it. That, that there's something, you know, I always accept the fact that I don't know everything, and that someday it'll be presented to me. So <laughs> I love I love all of Jeff's stuff, right? But I don't go to the point where I think substrate mushrooms don't have their place because I have a patent in growing them, but because I've given them to so many people and they get amazing results. And I still get calls every week from people going, they can't believe how these mushrooms work, right? So where do I balance out that information? And this is the way it is in a lot, in a lot of the health fields, right? People will tell you, well, this scientifically doesn't prove to be valid compared to this. But then you know a lot of people using that, and they're just having mind-blowing results. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's some things we may never understand. That is but, for sure. <laughs> but, I, you know, and I, I know a lot of people because I am in the healing world, right? I know a lot of people that are healers who just – only use products that they feel to give to people. And I've taken highly extracted, really potent, amazing mushrooms, um, and I've taken the mushrooms that I've grown and handed them to them in unmarked bottles. And every single time, they like the one that's grown on the substrate. Huh. Without knowing what it is, they're just feeling energy. And so what is that about? I don't know. Maybe they, maybe the mushrooms in their natural growing substrate that's then just heated and ground up retains an energy field to it that's something that's highly extracted doesn't. And maybe that highly extracted one becomes more of a medicine. But, and maybe none of that makes any difference to certain people yeah. depending on their level of energy they have when they take it. You know. It's there's just a lot involved in that world. So you're just gonna you're trying to tell me that 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 things are complex and nuanced. 
There's no s- nuance and whatever works. It was a really good thing. There's never, there's not a silver bullet. God dang it. There's not a silver bullet. I, I thought for yeah. sure we were going to get to the silver bullet today and I could just retire or, you know. <laughs> no, I, my, my daughter, who's a dancer, had a friend who was sicker than a dog and having to go into this really um, high level performance um, thing for trying to get on Broadway in New York and she was so sick and my daughter handed her my mushrooms and she took them for one day she says it was she still claims it's a miracle she keeps posting it on her Instagram but (laughs) these mushrooms are a miracle because the next day she felt fantastic and went in and did her gig right so you know, who's to say? She did. She was someone who had never taken a supplement ever before in her life. Wow. She, was. she was just sick and desperate, and she took something, and it changed her life. So she never goes without them. Huh. Right? So, and, you know, wow. Who could say what's going on with everything? I sure don't know. <laughs> and I'm becoming more and more com- comfortable uh, with, with that reality. <clears throat> Well, I wish I could. Uh, I wish we could go for for a half a day. In fact, I wish that we could sit around and sip tea, uh, and, uh, and 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 float. Whack, and float. <laughs> Hell yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, maybe. Okay, now I can't resist. Uh, are you, where do you have you experienced um, plant medicines, psychedelics? Where where do you stand on there? on their ability to, to heal sort of the emotional body and help us, help us grow as people. And it's okay if you don't, if you don't want to touch it. Oh no, I don't mind commenting. I, I will honestly tell you, I haven't done any psychedelics since around 1980. And so it's been a long time and I've done at that time, a few weeks of doing, you know, large doses of magic mushrooms. And I've done a lot of, partying in my early life, but I just don't, I had a very, very, um, strong, um, mystical experience when I was in California at the beginning of my, uh, training in Chinese herbs. And that's why I got into Chinese herbology. I drank a cup of tea with just reishi mushroom and some other herbs in it. And had the experience of God speaking to me as I walked down the street. So mm. ever since I've had that happen, I mean, literally was popped into an altered reality for a week. And since I've had that experience, it's, I just don't think about the drugs very much. It's, <laughs> you, it's what, just, what is this? The, the solid the, always talking about wanting to have happen. I had happened drinking a cup of Chinese herbs and, <laughs> There was 10 of us there that drank it. No one even had any effect from it. Huh. <laughs> a couple of them said they felt a little less stressed. I literally had, it was like some movie where the clouds parted and God spoke to me. And the next day I was seeing energy fields and feeling people's heart chakras for a week. And just an unbelievable, I just popped into a space where I'd go home and sit in a chair and look at the blank wall for three hours and not have a thought you know and so to have that experience it's really hard for me to think well i gotta go have a spiritual sure. experience yeah it was although it doesn't mean i wouldn't do it at some time under the right circumstance but i just don't think about it you know 
Yeah. And I live somewhere now where they have legal pot, and it just doesn't dawn on me that I'd want to ever smoke pot. You know, it's just it's well, kind of that experience is really what led me into becoming an herbalist. I didn't become an herbalist because yeah. I was even interested in Chinese medicine. I became an herbalist because I had that experience, and I had to keep that get that job so I could be in a shop to figure out what actually happened to me. Wow. So I ended up being an apprentice for 14 years and running the shop and working there. And and uh, it was all really just to, to figure out my experience. The Reishi, uh, the Reishi wanted you to get involved. The Reishi wanted me to get involved, that and a few other herbs. Yeah. Do you remember what just, the other herbs were? Uh, yeah, they're common Common Chinese herbs for Shen, you know, things like albizia flower, which I have in my formulas. Albizia flower, spirit poria. Um, there's probably some polygala and maybe some acarus. And I know there was some asparagus root and wild reishi mushroom. In fact, the reason we made that tea was, <laughs> you're going to laugh, <laughs> the reason we made that tea was because we had bought some bags of substrate to just grow some mushrooms because back then this is a long time ago back this is the the early 90s no one in america really sold reishi mushroom there was one company that sold it and it was the only one that was extracted the rest was just ground up reishi in it i don't know if you know this but reishi is a woody mushroom you can't digest it doesn't matter if you grind it up it's just still it's just sawdust there's nothing in it right so we bought some bags just to see what it would be like to grow it, right? And most of it didn't grow. We ended up throwing it away. But one day I was out in the shed, this old shed that really looked like an outhouse, right? It was just this old shed that we had all the herbs in outside. And one day I noticed that one of the bags must have thrown off a spore because one of the shelves in the thing had a mushroom growing out of it <laughs> about eight inches tall. And it was sporing. You know, it had spores all over it. So we just scraped it off the board and decided to make a tea. And that's how, that's where the whole experience came from, was just a fresh, racy mushroom boiled into a bunch of tea that kind of tasted like mud. And I wasn't even supposed to be there. I was just an apprentice at the time. And I just hung around because they kept talking about how great this tea was going to be. So I just stayed after work and drank and served everybody my little humble servant thing and sure drank you know probably equivalent of eight or nine ounces of tea and just went home and halfway home the whole universe changed on <laughs> went home and wowed out for a week wowed out it was just mind-blowing wow what that's phenomenal well i i <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, when you're when you're tapped in the, the way that you are, uh, and and I know this to be true for many healers, gifted intuits, shaman, um, you know, incarnational midwives. You know, they don't drink, they don't smoke. It's weird enough, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I what's the Salvador Dali quote is drugs. I don't do drugs. I am drugs. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's so awesome. Yeah. I don't do drugs. I am a drug. I am drugs. 
Yeah, it's like I'm you're you're probably at a point and you have been for such a long time eating so clean, working with these these what I believe to be sentient intelligences, you know, the idea of of an ayahuascaro in the jungles of Peru, understanding that there are master plants that have lots to teach us and are eager to interact with us that want to help us understand the nature of consciousness and the nature of reality, let alone what's going on in the planet. Um, And when you're tapped into that. And you're lighting people up with providing, you know, consultations for them and just these amazing products that, you know, I I just received a, a, a couple of samples from the Tian uh, from the Tian Chi, uh, and I haven't taken them yet. And now I'm just so tickled that right after this, I'm going to race inside and, <laughs> and have some. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think that whole movement of people wanting to do ayahuasca and stuff, I would actually do ayahuasca if I, if I had the right opportunity, yeah. but I'm not looking for it. Sure. You know what I mean? That yeah. type of thing. I don't have anything against it. I think any of those things, because I'm into transformation. I had a transformational experience. And if you are going to attempt to do something to have a transformational experience, why would that be bad? You yeah. know, it's right. not, it's not like, you know, it's, anything that you can do because once you have that experience your your life is completely changed i'll tell you this the day after i was walking home and the clouds parted and spoke to me and the next day i was in a store and something happened that has happened to me six or eight times since doing the same type of herbs and stuff but i just want to put this out there for people and for this type of experience is that if you I had the experience of falling or feeling and falling into a woman's heart chakra. Hmm. And if you ever have that experience, it you never will forget it to where you actually don't see the woman in front of you, but you feel them through their heart. It's so overwhelming and so beautiful that you just never forget it. I'm looking I was looking at a woman who was a cashier and I was standing there having this experience and, and I, it was part of this huge experience I was having that day anyway. But, um, and just to kind of put this in reference, she was about four foot eight and was, you know, she was Guatemalan. She was as wide as she was tall. (laughs) And I, I looked at her and I got her heart. And I was sitting there thinking, I have never seen a more beautiful creature in my entire life. (laughs) And I was like overwhelmed with this amount of beauty and the feeling of it was just, it just can't hardly describe it. And, 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 you know, later I'm trying to process this thinking, I like five, 10 women who are blonde and in and, and how, how am I processing <laughs> how am I processing this information? I was just I literally was I if it wasn't for the person behind me at the checkout line getting upset for me to move on, I might still be standing there looking at her. It was just I was just <laughs> I, I was just stunned at the feeling and how I was just thought it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life and all I was doing was buying a pack of gum. <laughs> <laughs> so but that never leaves you in relation to women that you because i've had it happen six or eight times um different times now where i just felt i was in a room and 
and they're they're got into their heart chakra you know not trying to it's just it just happened energetically of what we were and it's just it's just unbelievable you just doesn't matter who they are what they look at you think they're just the most you just met the most beautiful creature in the entire world oh that's so just, nice just through feeling their their actually heart their essence so it was oh well <laughs> it's quite an experience oh goodness i hope that for anybody that does ayahuasca or mushrooms or whatever uh yeah it, it i have i have i've done all i've done i've done all i've done most of the transformational um entheogens is now the the sort of um popular term um psychedelics you know, used in ceremony. I've done, I've done most of them and I've done ayahuasca uh, north of 20 times and plants, uh, plants have intelligence. Mm -hmm. I repeat, plants have intelligence. And when you consume them or when you drink them in a brew with a shaman or when you grow them in your garden and consume them and care for them, uh, man, oh man, they are, um, oh, uh, for another quote, here's a, the, the Terrence McKenna quote, which is, um, the plants are talking to us. This is not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> or this is, this is not a figure of speech. Yeah. Well, phenomenal. Um, uh, this is the part of the show before I ask the last fill in the blank question. This is the part of the show where, um, please tell us about tell us your company where they can find you if they can get in touch with you um all your social media all that all that promotional stuff please well the company is herbworks and you can find us at herbworks.com and you can send me an email through that website and you can access our blog through that and our uh, youtube channel so it's all on there but it all starts with herbworks.com and that's where we have everything. Wonderful. The site is beautiful. It it looks it looks great. It's really clear. There's there's lots of videos to help with you explaining explaining the products and uh, the blog and the podcast. I mean, everything is just uh, it's so great. Uh, it's been it's been such a pleasure to have time with you today. I really do feel like we're sitting sitting drinking reishi, reishi tea together and, and 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 i hope that uh i hope that everyone else who's listening to this also gets that feeling and, and whether or not they go home and wow out and stare at checkout counter girls uh or not <laughs> whether, whether they have a peak experience uh, with this conversation or not i know that there's there's just so much from it um so thank you very much for being with us being with me today all right well, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll ask this fill-in-the-blank question, um, if you would please. Um, based on everything that you know, it can be related. Um, it could be related to what we've been talking about or totally off the wall um, and elaborate as long as you'd like. Um, please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing... That all healing uh, comes from within. Hmm. Wonderful.
Thank you. Roger, thank you so much for joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. All right. Thank you.